Father, just thank you for this day that we have today. And that, uh, Lord, just pray that uh, through the study of your word tonight, we'd be able to comprehend just uh, the height and the depth and the width and the length of the love that you have for us, Lord. Just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so we're in Genesis chapter 40. Uh, remember, uh, just a quick, very quick uh, reminder it's been about two weeks now after the great VBS. Uh, uh, Joseph had gotten thrown into prison under false pretenses. And uh, he actually, I mean, as far as being in his prison uh, could go, uh, it worked out pretty good for him. He got to be uh, like uh, the highest trustee, I guess you'd call him, in the prison. So... So he's there in prison, uh, starting in Genesis 40, verse 1. It says, It came to pass after these things that the butler and baker of the king of Egypt offended their lord, the king of Egypt. Uh, and the pharaoh was angry with his two officers, the chief butler and the chief baker. So uh, the word that they use there, the, these officers, are at the same level. It's the same word that they use to... Uh, describe uh, Potiphar, who was the head of the prison system there. So they're they're real high in the uh, the hierarchy of the of the, the king or the pharaoh there. Uh, so uh, it says so he put them in custody. Verse three. So he put them in the custody of the house of the captain of the guard, the place where Joseph was confined. So. Uh, the custody of the house of the captain of the guard is actually. The prison was kind of divided into two different uh, sections. Um, there was the normal prison, like we would think of uh, the normal prison, and then they kind of had in the house of the captain of the guard would be kind of like what we would consider the white-collar prison. And so Joseph, uh, he, w- he was actually a trustee that they let him out of the, what he refers to later on as the dungeon, and uh, he goes and works in the white-collar prison. So that was kind of his uh, job while he was there. So in verse 4, it says, And the captain of the guard charged Joseph with them, and he served them, so they were in his custody for a while. Uh, so in verse 1, it talks about the butler and the baker. They offended the king of Egypt. We really don't know uh, what they had done to offend the king. Uh, you could probably make a guess they were both kind of in the food service uh, arena. Maybe the pharaoh got sick or something. He got mad, and I don't know what's happened. But they—I think they were under investigation. So who knows what it is? The the word translated as "offended." If you look that word up in the original language, uh, the vast majority, like I think 188 times, that word is actually translated as "sin," and. Uh, uh, over here, maybe four times, it's translated as offended. And the word used for Lord is actually the same word that we would use if they're refer, referring to the Lord God. Uh, so, which kind of makes sense because the Pharaoh was considered a God in that culture. And uh, if you offended him, you sinned against, you sinned against, uh, you know, the Pharaoh. And We'll see in a few minutes that unlike our God, there's no grace or mercy 
uh, for the person that's judged guilty of sin. Uh, it's pretty brutal. So verse 5, the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt were confined in the prison, had a dream, both of them, each man's dream in one night and each man's dream with its own interpretation. And Joseph came in to them in the morning and looked at them and he saw they were sad. So he asked Pharaoh's officers who were with him in custody in the Lord's house, in his Lord's house, saying, why do you look so sad today? And they said to him, uh, we, we each have had a dream, and there is no interpreter of it. So Joseph uh, said to them, uh, do not interpretations belong to God? Tell them to me, please. And so, number one on your sheet, Joseph attributes uh, dream interpretation to God. So verse 9, then the chief butler told his dream to Joseph and said to him, Behold, in my dream, a vine was before me, and the vine, and in the vine were three branches. It was though it budded, it blossoms shot forth, and its clusters brought forth ripe grapes. Then the Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes and pressed them into the Pharaoh's cup and placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. And Joseph said to him, This is the interpretation of it. The three branches are three days. Now within three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head, restore you to your place, and uh, you will put Pharaoh's cup in his hand according to the former manner when you were his butler. But remember me when it is well with you, and please show kindness to me and make mention of me to Pharaoh and get me out of this house. For indeed, I was stolen away from the land of the Hebrews, and also I have done nothing here that they should put me into into the dungeon. So uh, Joseph interprets the dream, you know, and it's it's kind of fitting. Uh, another way you could translate butler is actually cupbearer. Uh, a lot of times they would take a drink out of the cup, make sure that somebody wasn't trying to poison the pharaoh. But he's reminding the butler and us basically that, you know, hey, my brother sold me into slavery, uh, and then I was thrown into prison under false uh, act accusations you know it was kind of a cry for help uh, you know it's a reasonable cry that he would you know talk to the butler because the butler was in the presence of pharaoh the king you know all the time uh, we watched this one show downton abbey and in downton abbey they have the butler and the butler becomes actually totally integrated into the family at least in this one program, and so I could easily see how the butler would have, you know, a lot of influence. I mean, I mean, if you think of Nehemiah, he was the cupbearer, he was the butler, and he came in, and the, you know, in, in the case of Nehemiah, the king just could tell by the look on his face something's wrong. He explained a problem, and he made a way. Artaxerxes made a way for Nehemiah to go back and uh, start rebuilding uh, the the walls and the temple back in Jerusalem. So uh, it was reasonable that Joseph would think, hey, this is my, my ticket out of here. In verse 16, when the chief baker saw the interp- that the interpretation was good, he said to Joseph, I also, in my, I also was in my dream, and there was three white baskets on my head. In the uppermost basket were all kinds of baked goods for Pharaoh. 
and the birds ate them out of the basket on my head. So Joseph answered and said, this, this is the interpretation of it. The three baskets are three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift off your head from you and hang you on a tree, and the birds will eat your flesh from you. Not so good. Verse 20, Now it came to pass on the third day, which, which was Pharaoh's birthday, that he made a feast for all of his servants, and he lifted up the head of the chief butler and of the chief baker among his servants. Then he restored the butler to his butlership again, and, they placed, and he placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. But he hanged the chief baker as Joseph had interpreted to them. Yet the chief butler did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. So I'm just thinking, we have no idea how long Joseph's been in prison. But, you know, this is, I mean, you're in prison. Like, what are you going to do? And I think the word probably got back to him, and he was just like, oh, he forgot about me. You know? So, chapter 41. Then it came to pass at the end of two full years. So we know that he was there for at least in jail for at least two full years. That Pharaoh had a dream, and behold, he stood by the river. Suddenly there came up out of the river seven cows, fine-looking and fat, and they were fed in the meadow. Then behold, seven other cows came up after them out of the river, ugly and gaunt, and stood by the other cows on the bank of the river. And the ugly and gaunt cows ate up the seven fine-looking fat cows. So Pharaoh awoke. He slept and dreamed a second time, and suddenly seven heads of grain come up, uh, came up on one stalk, plump and good. Then behold, seven thin heads, blighted by the east wind, sprang up after them. And the seven thin heads devoured the seven plump and full heads. So Pharaoh awoke, and indeed it was a dream. Sounds like a nightmare. Verse 8, Now it came to pass in the morning that his spirit was troubled, and he sent and called for all the magicians of Egypt and all, all its wise men. And the Pharaoh told them his dreams, uh, but there was no one who could interpret them for Pharaoh. Then the chief butler spoke to Pharaoh, saying, I remember my faults this day. He's like, oh, man, I messed up. All right? Then, Pharaoh, uh, then he says, I remember my faults this day. Uh, then Pharaoh was angry with his servants, and he put me in the... It says, when Pharaoh was angry with his servants, and he put me in custody in the house of the captain of the guard, both me and the chief baker... We each had a dream in one night, he and I. Each of us dreamed according to the interpretation of his own dream. Now, there was a young Hebrew man uh, with us there, a servant of the captain of the guard. And we told him, and he interpreted our dreams for us. To each man, he interpreted according to his own dream. dream. And it came to pass, as he interpreted for us, so it happened. He restored me to my office, and he hanged him. So he's saying, hey, Joseph, you know, he nailed it. He, he got him exactly right. Verse 14, then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and he brought him quickly out of the dungeon, and he shaved, changed his clothing, and came to Pharaoh. So this is what you would call dressing for success, right? 
He's going before the Pharaoh. He has the presence of mind. You know, hey, I need to clean myself up. All the Egyptians shave their heads. I'm going to shave my head. I'm going to make myself look good before Pharaoh. So verse 15, And Pharaoh said to Joseph, uh, I have had a dream, and there was no one who can interpret it, but I, I have heard it said that you can understand a dream to interpret it. So Joseph answered Pharaoh, saying, It is not in me. God will give Pharaoh an answer of peace. So number two, uh, Joseph understood only God could accomplish the interpretation. And number three, and this is just uh, comes directly out of the text, it says, It is not in me. God will give Pharaoh an answer of peace. So when I was reading that, I was just thinking that it made me think of Philippians uh, 4, uh, verses 6 and and 7. I've got it on your sheet there. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God and the what? peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. And so, I mean, what he made me think of it is because when Joseph's talking about interpreting his dream, he tells God will give Pharaoh an answer of peace. So God's been doing the same thing for thousands of years. Verse 17, Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Behold, in my dream I stood on the bank of the river. Suddenly seven cows came up out of the river, fine-looking and fat, and they fed in the meadow. Then behold, seven other cows came up after them, poor and very ugly and gaunt, such ugliness as I have never seen in all the land of Egypt. The gaunt and ugly cows ate up the first seven, the fat cows. When they had eaten them up, No one would have known that they had eaten them, for they were just as ugly as in the beginning. So I awoke. Also I saw my dream, uh, and suddenly seven heads came up on one stalk, full and good. Then behold, seven heads, withered and thin, blighted by the east wind, sprang up after them. And the thin heads devoured the seven good heads. So I told this to the magicians, But there was no one who could explain it to me. Then Joseph said to Pharaoh, The dreams of the Pharaoh are one, meaning meaning that the dreams both mean the same thing. But God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. So number five is God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. Verse 26 The seven good cows are seven years, and the seven good heads are seven years. The dreams are one. And the seven thin and ugly cows, which came up after them, are seven years. And the seven empty heads, blighted by the east wind, are the seven years of famine. This is the thing which I have spoken to Pharaoh. God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. So... Number six, Genesis forty-one twenty-eight. God has shown Pharaoh what he's about to do. 29, indeed, seven years of great plenty will come throughout the land of Egypt. 
but after them seven years of famine will arise, and all the plenty will be forgotten in the land of Egypt, and the famine will deplete the land. So the plenty will not be known in the land because of the famine following, for it will be very severe. And the dream was repeated to Pharaoh twice because the thing, it, the thing is established by God, and God will shortly bring it to pass. So number seven, Genesis forty-one thirty-two, And the dream was repeated to Pharaoh twice because the thing was established by God, and God will shortly bring it to pass. You see a pattern developing here? Verse 33, now therefore let pattern let, let Pharaoh select a discerning and wise man and set him over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh do this and let him appoint officers over the land to collect one-fifth of the produce of the land of Egypt during the seven plentiful years. And let them gather all the food of those good years that are coming and store up the grain under the authority of Pharaoh and let them keep food in the cities. Then that food shall be a reserve for the land for seven years of famine, which shall be in the land of Egypt, that the land may not perish during the famine. Verse 37. So the advice was good in the eyes of Pharaoh, in the eyes of his servants. And Pharaoh said, uh, said to his servants, Can we find such a one as this? Can we find such a one as this, a man whom is... The Spirit of God. So number eight. And Pharaoh said to his servants, Can we find such one as this, a man whom is the Spirit of God? So Spirit of God. So it's kind of interesting. He, he says, you know, we're going to have seven years of you know, good stuff. We're going to have seven years of bad. But when he, when he saved the crops, he took a fifth. Okay, so he's going to have he planned to have extra left over, actually, at the end of the seven years. So, anyway, then the Pharaoh said to Joseph, Inasmuch as God has shown you all this, there was no one as discerning and wise as you are. So, number nine, when Pharaoh said to Joseph, then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Inasmuch as God has shown you all this, there is no one as discerning and wise as you. So this chapter's turned out to be um, really about God, I would say. Uh-huh. Verse 40, You shall be over my house, and all my people shall be ruled according to your word. Only in regard to the throne will I be greater than you. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, See, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. So it's, um, it, I guess, it's reasonable to think, you know, Joseph comes up, interprets uh, these dreams, and goes from being like a prisoner to uh, second in all of Egypt. I mean, it's a pretty amazing feat. Uh, there's a lot of uh, speculation. Uh, there was a, the pharaoh that was a pharaoh at the time it actually wasn't uh, like a native Egyptian. He was a, uh, a conquering tribe. He'd come in from basically from the area of the world where Joseph was from. They were nomadic sheep herder type people, and they came in and conquered Egypt. And so uh, the thought is, is that this pharaoh 
felt some kinship with with uh, Joseph because he knew he was a Hebrew and he kind of came from the same type of background as as he did. And so he felt comfortable, probably more comfortable promoting him uh, to this high level than he would some Egyptians that he didn't really know. So that would kind of explain that. So in verse 42, then Pharaoh took off his signet, took the signet ring off his hand and put it on Joseph's hand. So that signet, that's uh, like we talked about before, it's, it's the ring that's got the little press. It's like you press it into the clay tablet or uh, if you had a contract on papyrus, if you had some ink, you could stamp. It was like the ring. It was like this, the, the sign of the king. He was signing off on for the king. It was, uh, he, he was that high. Um, kind of like uh, what we would call maybe the prime minister of Egypt now. But he was only accountable to the king, not the like in England where they're, he's accountable to the parliament. Uh, verse, he says, uh, 42 again, And the king took off his signet ring off of his hand and put it on Joseph's hand. And he clothed him in garments of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. And he had him ride in the second chariot which he had, and they cried out before him, bow the knee. So he so he set him over all the land of Egypt. Pharaoh also said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh, and without your consent, no man may lift his hand or foot in all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh called uh, Joseph's name Zephanath Paniah, and he gave him as a wife Anasna, the daughter of Potiphar, priest of On. So Joseph went out over all the land of Egypt. Now Joseph was 30 years old when he stood before Pharaoh, king of Egypt. So we know now that when Joseph came to Egypt, he was 17, and he's uh, he's 30 now. So it's uh, 13 years. He's 13 years he's been there. Uh, there's no way of knowing exactly how long he was in prison. We know guaranteed he was there for two years. Uh, and then, it, but before that, it's kind of an unknown. It just how long did it take for Potiphar's wife to, you know, start making advances? I would think maybe as he advanced in rank through Potiphar's house and finally he was in charge of everything. However long it took him to do that is probably when his wife started making advances. So we don't really know, uh, but uh, he he definitely uh, spent some time in prison. And Joseph went out from the presence of Pharaoh and he went throughout the land of Egypt, 47. Now in the seven plentiful years, the ground brought forth abundantly. So he gathered up all the food of the seven years which were in the land of Egypt, and he laid up the food in the cities, and he laid up in every city the food of the fields which surrounded him. And Joseph gathered very much grain as sand of the sea until he stopped counting, for it was immeasurable. And so he's got a plan. He goes to all the major cities, sets up basically what is going to become distribution centers uh, later on, and uh, they... They collect all the grain. It's just, it's just, you couldn't count it. They had so much. So, verse 50. And to Joseph were born two sons before the years of the famine came, one from whom, uh, whom Asnath, the daughter of Potiphar, 
priest of On bore to him, and Joseph called on the name of the firstborn, Manasseh, uh, uh, for God has made me forget uh, all my toil and all my father's house. And so, uh, I mean, he's uh, 10, actually, the verse says it all. Joseph called on the name, the name of his firstborn, Manasseh, and then for God has made me forget all my toil and all my father's house. So, remember we talked about they would name their children about events or expectations that they had for them. So here he's basically saying uh, that he's he's basically saying, you know, I spent all this time in prison and, you know, and things weren't good, but you know what? Uh, God's uh, made me forget all that and made me forget the fact that you know, my brothers sold me into slavery to begin with. In verse 52, in the name of the second, he called Ephraim, for God has caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. And so again, in verse 11, I mean, number 11, it says, in the name of the second, he called Ephraim, for God has caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. Do you see a pattern in Joseph's life here? Everything, in all ways, he always goes back to God and he gives glory to God for everything. 53, and then the seven years of plenty which were in the land of Egypt ended. In the seven years of famine began to come as Joseph had said. The famine was in all lands, but in all the land of Egypt there was bread. So when all the land of Egypt was famished and the people cried to Pharaoh for bread, then Pharaoh said to all the Egyptians, Go to Joseph. Whatever he says to you, do. Verse 56, The famine was all over the face of the earth, and Joseph opened the storehouses, and he sold to the Egyptians. And the famine became severe in the land of Egypt. So all the countries came to Joseph in Egypt, to buy grain because the famine was severe in all the land. Uh, in all the lands. So that's the end of 41. But if you think about it, um, uh, 13 years is a long time. And I think in 13 years ago, uh, my life situation was... Uh, completely different than it is right now. And it just if you can think back, what were you doing 13 years ago? You don't have to think that, DJ. It's impossible, okay? You can let that one go. So as we, you know, we talked about last week, you know, Joseph, Joseph was, uh, 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 he was, he's, he was a man of integrity, and he continues to maintain his integrity towards God, you know, just like Abraham, uh, Isaac, Jacob. Remember, there was all those guys. There was the element of patience, you know. I mean, I mean, Abraham waited till he's 100 years old, you know. And then and there was always that long waiting period in order to have kids. And so 
there's this whole idea of uh, of patience and you know when when it was God's timing for things to happen and so there's some uh verses in the New Testament that I I just well, after I read through this I mean it's a good story it almost reads like a novel but when you read through that and then you just start thinking about you know obviously God was in my mind was like the centerpiece of this. I mean, it's a story about Joseph and him, you know, rising and all that. But Joseph makes sure that we know that it wasn't about him, that it was about God, you know. So there's that element to Joseph's story. And uh, the other element that was, to me, was, you know, 13 years is a long time. And so there's that timing element. So in, in Galatians, we read this before when we were back talking about uh, Abraham, Galatians uh, chapter 4, verses 4 and 5, and, and Paul uses uh, Jesus in the same way. He says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth the Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who are under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. And so God waited till the right time to send Jesus. God waited till the right time for Abraham, you know, to have a son. You know, he waited, waited for the right time for Joseph to, uh, you know, to rise to be the second in command of, of Egypt. And uh, if we look at Abraham, I mean, even if you look at Jesus and you look at, you know, all these guys, look at Joseph, it's not really a cakewalk while we get to that, to that point, right? So I was in the book of John, I think uh, he, in a few verses in John, he reveals, I think, what was in Joseph's heart during the time that he was in prison. John sixteen thirty three, and Jesus talking to his uh, disciples, he says, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. Joseph had tribulation. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. And so, I mean, Jesus is telling us what I believe was which was in Joseph's heart that whole time that he was in prison, right? God had given him, remember the original dreams he had given him. He had given him these dreams, said, look, you know, this is what it's going to be. I think that Joseph never really forgot those dreams. And so he was thinking about that. He was thinking about basically the promises of God. And so the last one is John 14, uh, just verses 1 through 6. I'll just read those and we'll be done. It says, uh, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. I think, you know, Joseph believed in God. It says, In my Father's house there are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also, and where I go, you know, and the way you know. If you think about it, uh, Joseph, uh, through his uh, faith in God, rose from the dungeon to the palace, right? And uh, when we compare our life situation, whatever it may be, however good you think your place you're at or however bad place you think you're at, 
if you compare to what it's going to be like in heaven, wherever you're at. If you're a millionaire living in a giant mansion here on earth, I mean, it's like living in a dungeon compared to what our life is going to be like. So so just finishing up what this little talk that Jesus has had with his disciples. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so it's uh, we have uh, maybe even a greater hope than than Joseph did while he was, uh, you know, in the dungeon, so to speak. So let's pray. Father, just pray that we would uh, live in that great hope, uh, maybe a greater hope than uh, than Joseph had. And Lord, we know that uh, Joseph realized everything that he had through you, and he came from the dungeon to the palace. And Lord, we know that that when we believe in you, that we would leave this dungeon and Lord, we go to your palace and we do that through Jesus. And Lord, we just thank you for that and just just thank you for the love that you showed us. Let's pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.